All right, Anthony, thank hey. you so much for coming over and, uh, you know, coming over for this podcast, you know. Thank you for uh, having me. It's a pleasure <laughs> to have you. Um, we met a couple months ago. We were both training to do some color grading work yeah. uh, for, like, a series that was supposedly going to be on Amazon, right? Yeah. And, uh, and that kind of fell through, but I'm glad that I got your information. You know, we had a couple lunches together during that time. And then now here we are. So yeah, um, you are a fellow filmmaker, and um, I will kind of let you go ahead and introduce yourself, I guess, to whoever you want, and kind of just tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name's Anthony. Um, I just graduated from UCF maybe about a couple months ago so far for like film, um, and so I've just been basically doing that, like a lot of uh, directing, cinematography, editing, so just kind of general like around like filming and stuff but mm -hmm. but yeah <laughs> nice man um i know you just told me that you started a recent position with a production company here in orlando so yep. congratulations on oh, that thank you. <laughs> i know um it's always exciting just getting something full-time where it's like a little bit of a breather yeah. just so you know that you're like okay you know and now you can kind of look around feel it out you know exactly how do you like it so far though no i really like it um it's definitely kind of like what I like to do. Um, I love editing and love cinematography, so it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I was doing a lot of freelancing for a little bit, like a couple months ago. Um, I like the freelancing aspect mm -hmm. where I could do kind of whatever I want to do. Um, pay was pretty good just because it was like a day rate, so it's... Yeah. Um, but it's definitely a lot harder with like freelancing if getting that in out the door because it's like you have to do a lot of uh looking out trying to find the jobs keep on applying mm -hmm. applying and applying yeah, trust me man i know yeah. <laughs> that's so, basically my life <laughs> so but it, there's also a reward with that you know it's, it's yeah. risky it's a lot of hard work and you kind of have to you have to start it in the right moment or otherwise it, it's gonna fail and i mean it, and you can't be afraid to fail like kind of try yeah. it for yourself you know and you probably did you know for mm -hmm. between those last couple months you you felt it out um and you probably saw it yeah it's not it's not easy um but but it definitely is rewarding um you know coming from a couple months ago i did start you know my own business or whatever and now getting to the point where it is becoming a little bit steady and like stable i'm you know i'm basically my own boss and all that you yeah. know it feels great and so there's a lot of reward after all the hard work and mm -hmm. you know a lot of trial and error for sure um but i think that's a great it's a great move obviously yeah. um i came only into my position now because of the previous position where i was working full-time for a production company um and being on the inside of that i got to learn a lot of the in and outs of obviously production stuff but at the same time the business side which i was totally unfamiliar yeah. with up until then um and so that gave me kind of that that edge in kind of knowledge as to how to how I would run my own business and kind of saw some things that they were doing right, some things that they were doing wrong, um, you know. And there's so many things that that kind of go into you know building the business and then I'd be able to maintain it and doing all that. So um, yeah, definitely in the right direction. And and obviously I'm here. You can ask yeah. me anything. This is the kind of the whole point of this podcast is kind of obviously share information, network with people and uh, get to know some stories or whatever. So, yeah, well, um, honestly, like how you're doing it, mm -hmm. it's kind of how I want to do it. I want to kind of go with the company, kind of stay there for like a couple of years and just kind of build yeah. my own thing after, but just kind of get to figure out the ins and ends of like editing and how they market people and mm -hmm. like how 
they kind of go about getting the clients and stuff. Yeah. To, yeah. The whole sales side to me, like I said before, was just yeah. a total mystery. You know, it's like I would probably, as far as I knew, I, I think before this, I tried once to go freelancing mm. um, when I moved up to Orlando. But I had zero direction, right? Um, I, I kind of wanted to do photography, but I had some skills in videography um, and like editing and stuff. Um, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then like I reached out to some people on Facebook and like, you know, tried posting stuff on Instagram thinking that someone would just find me and try yeah. to hire me, I guess. Um, that was like my my thought process. Um, and then I realized like, this is just not working. Um, I don't know if it's because I don't have the experience or what's going on, what's, what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. I, had ju I just had no idea. And so after that, I got that job full-time with that company. And, and that really, like I said, just kind of filled in all the gaps and made me way more confident going into this next round to start off my business again, especially on the, the sales side. Like every day I would sit while I'm editing, I would hear right next to me, the salesperson basically, well, I call him that, but yeah. he was like the production manager, like production coordinator. And he would be constantly talking to clients, basically landing jobs. Right. And so that was just, just eavesdropping on that conversation was just a mine of gold and just kind of hearing how he basically just built out like a script, you know, like said the same thing to every client basically. Cause he knew he's like, it has a success rate once you have a script like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever, have you seen like Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, right? yeah. And they, they literally just give people scripts. Yeah. And like, all you have to do is read this. So this is at your production company. Like yeah. The, okay. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't have a script like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying the, the guy that was doing the sales, you know, he had his own script inside his head, right? Mm -hmm. And it had a pretty good success rate. And so it's like, once, once you have that, once yeah. you know that there's a, there's a way to land a client, like a certain way, and there's a percentage of like clients that you will land that way, then it becomes pretty easy. It becomes, or not easy, but less effort has to go into the thought of like, what do I say to this guy? You know, mm -hmm. like all the little things that you have to think about before you jump on that call. Right. Um, but yeah, this is one of the things and obviously we can get deeper into all that yeah. later. Um, but awesome, man. So, so when you started your production company, mm -hmm. did, do you do like a lot of reaching out to the companies or like, yeah, or? yeah. So, so let's see, where can we start here? Um, as far as like how I've, landed most of my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a couple platforms that I immediately signed up for, uh, that I had found out just from other people telling me, or, you know, just doing some research on the web. I mean, you've definitely heard of like Fiverr, right? Yeah. Um, you've probably, I don't know if you have actually, maybe well, some people have, but Upwork, have you heard of Upwork? I've heard of it, but I've never <clears throat> went on there actually. Yeah. So Fiverr, Upwork, um, obviously having a website, Mm -hmm. having kind of a brand awareness like so if yeah. anybody searches you like a google page things like that all kind of i feel like you kind of need all those touch points like to before just, yeah before just to like because from you got to think about it from like a client's perspective right if they find you on any of those websites right the first thing they're going to do unless they see like all of your work unless they land on your actual website which is hard to get traffic to you know usually especially if you're a smaller uh company um the first place they're gonna see you is usually like a portfolio on Fiverr, a portfolio on Upwork, or maybe an Instagram, right? And so they'll take your name and they'll literally just Google search it. Yeah. Or they'll, you know, put it into another search engine, like like an Instagram or something like that, and start l looking at you from other angles, right? And so you wanna make sure that every angle that a client can look at you from 
is that kind of professional. (laughs) My dog's causing a ruckus here. (laughs) Um, You want to make sure that every angle that a client can look at you from is going to be kind of showing a little bit of that professional side. Obviously, it's like your Instagram. They're not expecting you to be like fully professional, maybe if it's your personal account, but they want to see that you're in the world of production. Mm -hmm. So maybe some like BTS stuff of you working behind the scenes and like with crew or with a camera or something, right? They just want to confirm that you're like a real person that actually does this, um, that maybe you've been doing it for a while. They're just trying to validate you. Yeah. Right. And so they're going to do that by searching you on other sites and things like that. Um, And so having, again, just kind of touch points um, for your client to, to confirm and validate you as a as a shooter, as a company, whatever, um, I think it's pretty important because I've had people that have specifically found me. So Upwork, let me go back a little bit. So Upwork has been pretty much the most solid one of these platforms for me. Okay. Um, and the way Upwork works is you build a profile as a freelancer, and then you can put some examples of videos and stuff that you've done on there. But um, you don't just clients don't just reach out to you. You have to basically bid and like propose and send proposals on certain jobs. Okay. So clients post jobs. Um, it's kind of becomes on a public form or whatever. And then you go through that list of stuff. You read the descriptions, you see kind of the budgets and things like that. And then you decide like which ones you're going to make a proposal for. So anything that matches, you know, my videography experience, my, my photography experience sometimes, um, if I feel like it's the right budget. It sounds legit enough. Um, I'll sometimes like just submit a proposal, you know, with a decent little cover letter. Hey, I'm Santiago. Like I'm a filmmaker, yeah. whatever, blah, blah. Here's my website. Here's my phone number. I'd love to talk to you more about this project. You know, obviously being professional, being good as far as like kind of presenting myself for the first time. And, and yeah, just leaving that door open to like, Hey, let's jump on a call. Um, Cause I feel like the next step for a lot of people is always kind of weird. It's like, do you start messaging back and forth? Because yeah. that sometimes that can get a little clunky with all the details that go behind specific productions like that. Um, sometimes they'll like immediately ask for like, what's your price for something like a five minute video on this? And it's like, I need a ton of details before mm-hmm. I can give you that that budget um, or that quote. Um, so, so usually what I try to do is always get them to call me, um, yeah. set up a call with me. Um, let's jump on a Zoom mm-hmm. chat, something like that. And from there, that's basically where, like I kind of said with the whole thing my previous company is having a little bit of a sales pitch, Mindset, I guess, yeah. or or just like having some kind of script that you mm-hmm. know or have re- kind of rehearsed with other clients before comes in handy because you kind of can confidently kind of go through the steps with them, kind of show them that you've done that before, right? And so that's slowly kind of how you start building towards actually landing the job. Now, a lot of times I'll get as far as having multiple phone calls, lots of emails, even sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, for bigger jobs, I'll try to, you know, impress them by doing a lot of like pre-production work on Mm -hmm. it before even getting hired. And sometimes I don't even land those jobs and it kind of sucks because it's like, I feel like I spent, you know, a couple hours, maybe a whole day researching and pulling, you know, models, potential models, things like that. And, uh, (sighs) No, I should have closed the windows. Um, and it, it doesn't always pay off, which kind of sucks, but that's part of the game, I guess, right? Yeah. Like you kind of have to go for some of those bigger jobs, even though, you know, there's a chance you might not land them. Yeah, and it's uh, I feel like it's smart how you were saying about, like, having kind of like a, almost like a script of, like, mm-hmm. what you want to 
the points and questions you want to ask the clients for mm -hmm. like how you want to get the shoots. Cause there's a bunch of like clients that like, they don't know what they want. They're like, Oh, I want a video, but then they don't know mm -hmm. what kind of video and then how they want to produce it. So it's like definitely a yeah. lot of avenues for how there's like so many different videos that you could do. Yeah. Yeah. And, styles. and they all landed widely different budgets, right? Yeah. It's like, if you're doing like a full on industry level commercial, you're talking then mm. obviously in the thousands, five, $10,000. If you're looking for like a small business video mm -hmm. and you're expecting a person to just show up with like a gimbal and like a tripod or something, yeah. it's like, obviously you're not looking much more than a thousand to spend much more than a exactly. thousand. Um, even if that, you know, obviously sometimes it gets even cheaper than that. And that, at that point you recognize those clients, mm -hmm. you say, sorry, at this point, you know, you're probably just not, Yeah, we're not, we're not going to be able to work with each other. Uh, you say politely and all that, and mm -hmm. you try to leave doors open, but you got to know also when to just like, all right, this yeah. isn't going to be worth it for me. Um, you know, and it, at first, you know, a lot of people feel like they have to take all the jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, it's that kind of starvation mentality. It's like, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to work next. And I'll, I'll, I was guilty of it for sure at the beginning. Cause mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not doing anything this week. I don't have anything on the schedule for next week. Like I just need to do something. Right. Exactly. And so you get a little desperate and you start taking all these like really shitty jobs that pay like a hundred bucks, 200 mm -hmm. bucks for like a day worth of work. And then like another day of editing or something. Exactly. And it's like, man. And then usually the worst part about those jobs is that, um, you know, the product you're going to end up with something like for a client like that is just not going to be usable on your portfolio. It's not going to be something you're going to actually yeah. want to show. And so for a hundred bucks, you're better off, like way better off saying, all right, fuck that client, <laughs> you know, um, tell them, sorry, we're not going to work together. I'm, I'm, I'm value my own work more yeah. than that. Right. Um, and then just finding your own client to do a free work for some spec mm -hmm. work. Um, where you can put in those days of work, but know that your product is going to be, you know, it's going to be a representation of the quality you can actually provide. Yeah. Um, and that's way more valuable. You know, at, at first I did, I want to say maybe like four or five jobs, um, sometimes internally, just like with like products here at home and like shooting stuff by myself and other times actually reaching out to companies or like brands and just saying like, Hey, like, I really love your brand. I just started my own production company. Um, I'd love to do a little spec ad for, for you guys and, and basically free of charge, like just straight up. Um, okay. and the funny thing about doing that is that half the time, you know, they'll see the quality, they'll see the amount of energy that you put into it and people feel weird taking that much free stuff. Yeah. And so they'll offer to, to pay you something at the end. Um, so I've actually made more money probably doing that than I have taking those, those, you know, garbage jobs. How'd you never thought about that? Yeah. 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 Um, and so sometimes it's, you know, as simple as doing like some free work, but, but also being a little smart about who you're going to do that yeah, free exactly. work for. And you can't just go around offering everybody mm -hmm. free stuff. You know, some people are going to actually value your work and other people are going to see that as like, oh, they're probably offering for free because they're not very valuable. And so yeah. they're not really going to care. They're not going to give you the time of day. They're, they're going to waste your time again. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you gotta, again, do that little bit of a balancing. It's like, is this yeah. guy taking this seriously? Is he, is he enthusiastic about this? Is this going to provide that, that, that end product that I'm going to actually mm -hmm. be able to use in the future? You know, things like that are, are pretty important to, to think about when you're deciding it's like, should I offer this guy a free, free gig or whatever, a free mm -hmm. video. And so, yeah, that's, that's basically a couple of the ways I got started. I mean, um, like I said, 
Fiverr and Upwork have been the two main ones because those are two platforms where clients are there to hire somebody, right? Yeah. They're looking for somebody to hire. And so all you have to do is put an account out, you know, make a profile, put some examples of your work. Obviously the examples are important. And so that's where the spec work can come in handy um, to show what you can, what you're capable of and all that. But once you have those out there, I mean, it does become kind of a game where eventually someone's going to land on your profile or whatever and, and kind of reach out. Or like you said, on Upwork, uh, you do the proposal to them. And so they, you get, you get put in front of them and then it's up to them to decide if they're going to call you back. Have you ever, uh, used like staff me up ever? So I, I've, I tried okay. and so I, for staff me up, it's a little bit different than kind of like what I'm really focusing on. Fo- yeah, I guess at the moment, okay. like I'd love to do some cool like cinematography work where I'm just mm-hmm. a DP. Um, or, you know, even even like camera operating or whatever for some bigger shoots on bigger productions. Um, but just because some of my own like client work has kind of been enough to to push me forward, I have been mostly focusing on that. Okay. Um, so I did not sign up fully for Upwork or Staff, Staff Me Up. Because yeah. um, I know there's like a, there's a, a yearly fee or something, right? Yeah. So I started using Staff Me Up maybe a couple months ago. Um but it's basically like it's like a monthly fee, so it's like it's like twenty bucks, yeah. so it's not too bad. Um, but it's different from like getting the clients to you. It's mostly like a lot of like companies like looking for people like working for like say PAs mm-hmm. and um, cinematographers or like first ACs. Um, yeah, it's crew positions. Mostly, exactly. Right? Yeah. So um, that's kind of where I started out a couple months ago, like after. Um, graduating so it's like helped me out a lot just because um it helped me get like a lot more like pa jobs and like yep. kind of work my way up yeah and that's that's actually really interesting i was wondering because i know they give you a couple free ones at the beginning but then it's like after that you can't sign up without yeah. paying for it i was wondering if it was actually worth it for somebody obviously like me i have i have a lot of examples of work i've done myself mm-hmm. but i don't know the kind of because they're looking for crew positions, I'm like, I don't know if my portfolio is going to impress anybody yeah. who's looking for a PA or looking mm-hmm. for a camera operator. And it's like, sure, you have some like cool edits of exactly. you know, commercial work or whatever, but it's like, how do I know like what cameras you... And so I feel like it comes down to actually the the, the experience, like previous jobs or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Where you have to list yeah. your, your previous positions. I feel like that's something that... I have like really strong uh, thing because I have like so many PA jobs that I've been mm-hmm. doing with like um, since I was like an internship with Adrenaline Film. So like mm-hmm. I got a lot of PA um, experience from that. And then um, with school, like I had like a lot of PA and like first AC work with that. So I just included all of that on my uh, resume with Staff Me Up. And um, like the first month when I didn't pay for it, I was like, ah, like applying to a bunch of these things. Mm-hmm. And I heard, didn't hear it back from any of them. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll just pay for it just for the one month and see how it works. I didn't hear it back for like two weeks. But then third week, I don't know where I got like five or four different calls for like a PA and a PA jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, then I was like, just kind of accepted everything and everything. So yeah. Um, so I did like one PA job. And then um, I think the first one was... Well, the first one was actually a Facebook one that was like in Miami. So I did that one. Um, and then the next one was in Orlando. 
Um, and then the next one was like The Bachelor, and then the one after that was like a car company. Car commercial. The Bachelor? Yeah, The Bachelor. For like the show? Yes, I did a PA job for that one. Where? It was in uh, Claremont, I believe. Okay. Yeah, so that was a that was a pretty cool show. You actually saw like the crew or like the cast or yeah. So that was a that was a big crew. It was like yeah, I can. I mean, actually, for some of those, you'd be surprised how how like skeleton they are. So so I did like a lot of House Hunters. Um, Those ones are maybe like three or four on the crew. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like two camera. One producer and then one audio and then a PA. Yeah. Um, as for like Bachelor, I was like thinking, oh, it's probably just going to be like a small little crew, but it was mm-hmm. like a crew of like 50. Really? And there was like six or seven like big, like black was, Mercedes van- vans. Yeah, I was going to say, was this at like the main location for the show or was it? No, one of no, like no. The, it was like, so. One of the travel even, locations. One of the travel locations. So yeah. um, I actually don't really watch The Bachelor, but um, I talked to one of the PAs there, and he was like telling me like all about it and mm-hmm. how it works. But um, basically, there's like a home in California that they do, and then I guess when they pick the girl, then they go to their hometown. Of, like, okay, so that's what they were doing. So like, I guess the hometown was mm-hmm. somewhere in Orlando area. Yeah. So that was for like three days, and it was it's pretty cool shoot because yeah. it was a. Uh, there's a lot of people and uh yeah and so that, that was the thing that was that sounded cool about staff me up mm-hmm. was the opportunity to work on like those bigger productions like mm-hmm. i saw a lot of stuff for like netflix shows yep. some feature films and so like that's the kind of experience that i feel like i would like to have mm-hmm. but again focusing right now on like running my own business like i don't know how deep i want to go into that yeah you know it's like if if that's the kind of you're going to be one of the crew members it's like I don't need any of this other, I don't need my own mm-hmm. equipment. I don't need to, you know, unless you're like DP or whatever, but yeah. that's a whole nother ball game. Um, see, and then that kind of creates, that kind of brings up the question. It's like, you kind of have to, when you're in our profession, you kind of have to decide. It's like, are you going to be the content creator or like the, the person that, that provides the production as a whole? Are you going to, yeah. you're going to kind of try to go out there and kind of do everything yourself, or are you going to just, shoot for one of these crew positions Mm -hmm. and you know when i came up to orlando i had the idea and i really wanted to jump onto like that crew and like the scene of of jump you know being a regular on on some kind of film crews or whatever um just because i wanted to do that you know build my way into like ac and then eventually become dp or or whatever for for myself um and only work as dp but then i had a much easier time landing my own clients that I was like, I'm just, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a choice you have to make and it's like, where are you going to put your energy? Right. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you know actually where you want to kind of be? I know you, you mentioned earlier, you kind of want to run your own business and like eventually or something, but yeah, but it sounds like right now you, you've built a lot of this crew and like, uh, you know, onset experience. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to like become a career like AD or, you know, something like that. So it's kind of hard being in Florida with that because mm. the crew positions in Florida, it's like a lot smaller. There's like mostly just PA and first AC from what I've seen and maybe a couple camera ops. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the, since it just got like a full-time job as like the video editor and like videographer right now, um, that one I actually just found through Staff Me Up when I was applying. Uh, there's like a cinematographer oh, really? position mm-hmm. in Orlando. So I applied for that, and then, um, like, 
a couple days later, he's like, hey, so we're looking to expand a company and mm -hmm. we we're wondering if you wanted to do editing and stuff. So um, I agreed um, to do editing. And so I edit like one thing in December. Um, and uh, it, he, I guess they liked it. So then I just hopped on in like the beginning of this year. So I've just been doing a lot of editing and mm -hmm. videography. So it's, it's kind of like in a weird position right mm -hmm. now where like, I'm still on Staff Me Up and like I see all these like PA jobs coming in because it's like the yeah. new year. So there's like PA, first AC, all these like things. And I'm trying to get out of that mindset of right now where I'm like, oh, I'm in a job right now. So I can't look at those. Mm -hmm. But it's still like one of those where I'm still looking. Yeah, I was going to ask how I, I know you're working full time, right? It's Monday through Friday, yeah, so 9 through 5. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's similar to my previous position. And then there, there is there, have you talked to them about like flexibility with? trying like have you told them hey like this is a cool job I'm, I'm totally into it but is it okay to do other jobs outside of this like not at the moment yeah. um i mean probably maybe a little bit later but um at the moment i'm just kind of liking just working mm -hmm. nine to five right now and just yeah. like having it's a little bit of a breather right it's, it's yeah it's kind of like a breather mm -hmm. of like because like in a weird way like just filming and like having your own company and like trying to market it's like mm -hmm. kind of like a hustle because you have to keep yeah, looking definitely. every single day and mm -hmm. uh i remember when i was doing the staffing up like um back just a month ago it was like if i don't look at my emails like mm -hmm. right then and there like there's a job posting and then if i'm not like the first one on there i'm like the fifth one on there and it's like yeah. so annoying yeah yeah so it's like yeah you see and then to that point it's like it's true. It, it's definitely a different mindset. But now that I'm, I'm like, and I totally feel it. Like a couple months ago, I was so stressed out. Every towards the end of every month, I would yeah. look at my calendar for the following month and be like, I have nothing on my schedule. Like this is terrifying. Yeah. It's like I need to obviously pay my bills. I need to mm -hmm. uh, pay rent and all that stuff. And it's like, and then you go into like a weird crazy one. And, that, and that's when you usually end up taking some like really shitty jobs or yeah. like you know having to do stuff you don't want to. Um, but as I've con continued to do it, and like I said, it's kind of become a little more steady. It's like I just have a little more faith now that um, there are jobs coming. Mm -hmm. to, like from before, like I just didn't know if like maybe last month was like a like a like a fluke, yeah. you know? Like maybe it just happened and, and it'll never happen again. And it's like I don't know. Um, but now, again, doing it for a couple months in a row, it's become a little more. Uh, I've be I've become more comfortable with not knowing you know, what's happening next yeah. month because I know something will happen. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of, I guess, the whole point of kind of sticking to it and like letting your clients and everything kind of just snowball, like that snowball mm -hmm. effect that everyone talks about when you start a business. Um, you know, it's like you get your name out there and it's like one client will refer you to the next and yeah. it's like slowly but surely like you will build more and more clientele, slowly work into those bigger client positions. And yeah, so like fighting that impulse of like, I don't know what's going on. It's like a hustle mentality where it's like at night you're like, I can't sleep right now because like I need to answer mm -hmm. emails and like be constantly like looking at stuff. Um, it does slowly go away. I think okay. like I'm, I'm still somewhat there, but you're getting a little bit out of it. Yeah. 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 But like, I'm, I, I gotta like check myself and be like, no, 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 it's five o'clock or it's like six o'clock. You know, it's like, it's not a business hours yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So like I, I tell everybody like I'm available nine to five. Like that's when I do calls. That's when I do everything. Um, and, and it's kind of, it's kind of turned into like, I am just working full time. You know, I, I, I wake up eight in the morning ish and then have breakfast, whatever. And then slowly 
come into this room and, and start working, you know, and then, and then try to work through at least generally, at least to like three or four by that time. I'm, unless there's like a huge like deadline for edit some like editing work or something that I really need to bang out. Um, I'll take it pretty chill. It's like, if nothing pressing is happening, I can just relax or whatever. Take that last hour kind of casually go to the gym or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. That's the one thing that like, I feel like for me learning to start my own company later on, Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that like, I need to get that mindset of, okay, like I can make my own time. I can do whatever time mm-hmm. I want, but I have to do work from not this time to this time. Yeah. Cause I, sometimes I get home and I'm like, okay, like mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll do it in an hour. Like, cause I just get distracted with like the internet, YouTube. So it's, that's why it's a little easier for me even with a full-time job. Cause it's like, they're there, they're like, I have to be there at this time. Mm-hmm. I have to be here till this time to work and keep working. So it really helps my mentality. So it's a little bit, it's nice to be the own boss. It's no, it's, 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 it's definitely something that takes a little bit to get used to, like I said. Yeah. And then I, I totally know where you're coming from with like having that split between like your personal life and like your work life. Mm-hmm. Like once, when you try working from home, it's all just like meshed together and it becomes, yep. it becomes messy. Like it, like I'll be in here trying to, you know, write some emails, whatever. And then Natalie will come and like, yeah. Hey, do you want to go for like a walk? And it's like, babe, I can't right now. You know, it's like, or like, yeah. you know, I'll be like, oh, okay, fine. And then like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm messing something up mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, it's like, I should be working right now, but I'm not. And so it, it's a very weird situation at first, but like I said, you kind of just get used to it and you kind of get into the groove of it. Um, the thing about going somewhere and like working for them, right. The way I saw it, at least I, wor- I worked for that production company for two mm-hmm. years, right almost straight. And then on the weekends, I would shoot for them a lot. And so it felt like I was giving up a lot of my life. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I was making you know, a decent buck or whatever, nothing fancy, but it was, it was enough to get by and save up some money. So the thing was like, I felt like they were, they had the position where it's like actually very, very clearly told us like, basically while you're working for us, you can't do work for anybody else. Um, and, and like, not that they would be against me doing like personal projects, but like, you know, or like you don't want to kind of quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would they would be very strict about like competing with them and like mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. And so I felt like I was doing a lot of work for them. And then they told me at one point like I wouldn't be able to use you know the stuff I was working with them for like my own like um, like cinematography reel. Oh. And that and that was a lot of the point of me being there was to build yeah. up my cinematography experience specifically with like commercial work and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like hold on. Like, this was like a year and a half into working there. I was like, hold on. You're telling me for the last year and a half, I've been shooting all this stuff for you that like, obviously, yeah, it's like, I can't use it even on like a demo. And like, no, like, and I was like, even if it's not like, like, I don't care if your logo's at the bottom. Like, I was like, I'll give you guys all the credit for like production, production. I just want, I want my credit, you know, for, for cinematographer. And they basically just said, no, how, how big is the crew or how big was like the, it wasn't big. It wasn't big. And, and I think, Again, it got kind of complicated towards the end. Yeah. There was, I feel like there was some personal feelings involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the owner, you know, just uh, had a very strong stance on this and didn't want to be in the wrong, I guess, after he yeah. said something like that. He didn't want to back off of what he said originally. Okay. And so it just kind of became like a bigger, like a power move kind okay. of like, let me just show you that like, I'm, I'm the owner of this company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it got a little weird towards the end oh. and that's, you know, and I, I definitely knew I had to leave, <laughs> okay. um, you know, to put, to not put it too 
uh, without getting too much into details. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the whole thing was uh, saying um, I was going there right, working nine to five, and yeah, it was kind of easy. It was kind of comfortable, mm-hmm. um, especially after the first like year. It's like you know what you're doing. You know that you know the people there trust you. Like it's it's it became kind of chill, right? Um, the problem was I wasn't building up anything that I could really use long term. Yeah, um, and I think that's the biggest difference between working for somebody else and working for your, or mm-hmm. yeah, working for yourself or building that company for yourself. Um, is that every, everything that you do once you're under your own brand kind of becomes this like lasting asset, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's something like even those free videos that I started with, right. Those free videos could land me jobs well into the future that, you know, could pay off way more than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. Um, and it just comes from having experience in those specific videos and things like that. Um, so that's just one, one of the differences between working for yourself versus working for somebody else. But to go back really quick and just mention that, like, I don't think there's anything wrong (laughs) with working for somebody else, especially if you're getting paid well, if you're in a Mm -hmm. good environment, good, like healthy working environment, right? As long as you like, feel like you're continuously learning a little bit and then like, you know, you don't get too complacent or like too stuck with like where you are. I think it's totally fine. And most people... I feel like that is kind of, you know, not everyone could have their own business. Yeah. There's needs to be employees. There's need to be, you know, people that fill in positions. So, yeah, when, uh, when I was still at school, I did, had like a couple internships. I had another internship at like this uh, school, like Lake Mary Preparatory. Mm-hmm. So I was doing like all these like videos for them for free. So it was like a lot of marketing stuff. But mm-hmm. um, even though I didn't really get paid for it, like it definitely helped me get like a lot of like corporate videos done and like a lot of like, kind of get my style if that makes sense like how i film and how i edit and so like having those videos like helped me like kind of promote myself and like kind of get me into other jobs like be like oh this is a video that i did for this company like oh Mm -hmm. we like it so then i do a video for them and then i do a better video for that one and then the next company that i do they're like hey i did this video instead of showed Mm -hmm. that one so that's kind of I, I agree with like how you're saying like the free videos too because it definitely yeah yeah and I mean let's take a step back I, we, I asked you a second ago it's like do you know whether you prefer to oh yeah <laughs> uh, you know be that kind of crew position or because again I was torn up until a couple months ago until I actually started my own business I I was kind of set on actually just trying to get on somebody else's set mm-hmm. you know and and work into a eventually a cinematographer position where I was just steadily picking up other productions i'm not entirely sure i feel like i'm still in the middle if that makes sense yeah because in a way i want to make my own production company but i want to direct that's kind of my thing so Mm -hmm. i really like directing so i want to be in charge of like editing and the cinematography aspect of whatever i'm making so like I want to have like a bigger crew because I when I was at UCF, I did uh, a lot of my own short films and stuff. So mm-hmm. I had like a crew of like 20 and uh, 25. So it's like really, it's kind of what I like to do. So yeah. it makes me happy doing that. Um, and doing the smaller stuff, even cinematography for like another company. I like doing that, but I also like the editing aspect after. So like, because mm-hmm. I like doing the production, but then I'm like, oh, I want to, edit this way, have this camera angle, right. go from this way to this way. So then I also like doing the post-production. So I kind of like doing 
both. So yeah. in a sense that like I would like to do on productions, but then I want to do the post after. So it's kind of nice with the job that I have where I could do kind of both and then kind of learn from both of those to either further my career later on or kind of go to like another company after or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, for me, it it was it was I started knowing that I wanted to be a cinematographer, right? Mm-hmm. But then you find out that it's like, oh, directing is really fucking cool too. Yeah. And then, you know, you do some short films. I did a couple of myself and and then you you start editing and then you're like, oh wait. And it kind of falls all under directing, right? It's like when you yeah. have a vision, exactly. you go from like step A to the final step. It's like you you want to be kind of in charge of all of how that works, right? Um and I'm, honestly, I'm still doing most of the work myself, even for my company. So it's like mm-hmm. I am kind of in that position where I'm, I'm, I'm planning, I'm shooting, and I'm editing it kind of to how I want it. Um, the only difference is that like once you get to a certain level, you do know, right, that you kind of have to start giving people certain jobs because it's like yeah. I, I, I already know that I'm a strong editor. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty strong cinematographer. Uh, you know, I'm not probably the best in everything though you know it's like it's like i i can't i can't have full Mm -hmm. control of like let's say if i ever need like motion graphics or like cg work and it's like obviously i'm not going to spend the time to learn that i gotta Mm -hmm. hire somebody that knows what they're doing eventually to get to the point where it's like you want to just be kind of one one of those roles right Mm -hmm. um i mean generally a producer can have an oversight of like a lot of the aspects but not necessarily need to know how to do the technical aspect like the technical level of each one and so just another idea that like i i used to you know want to only be a cinematographer but then it's like when you're starting off it's like you end up learning everything because you kind of have to do everything it's like especially today it's like people expect a videographer whatever to to just kind of know everything (laughs) and i feel like it's also nice too like let's say for example like you want to do directing or you want to do producing later on but you like you don't want to touch the camera you don't want to touch the editing but just have someone else do it Mm -hmm. it's good to know what like how to do it like how to film it how to edit so that way you could teach to someone or like tell someone like oh this is what i want or i need Mm -hmm. these changes from the edits or like from the a a foundational level of knowledge and like a little bit of knowledge in like every aspect is definitely worth to have and like Mm -hmm. to have you know built a little bit of experience in um it just becomes a certain point you 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 know you have to be able you have to be okay with kind of giving that job yeah and if if you want to go into those bigger production like you said like when you have a crew of like 20 it's like you're not doing the makeup you're Mm -hmm. not doing you know the props you're not doing everything because it's better to have somebody that's dedicated for all those small roles because one person can't do it all Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean like I said, I, I think you're you're the beginning of of a, of a journey with this career. This yeah, career. I mean, like the mm-hmm. the whole production job that you just got, and hopefully you'll stick it out and, and learn enough through there that whenever you decide to either con- you, well, you're really just decide yeah. to <laughs> work through your whole life, or you'll you'll move on. But hopefully you'll have a much better understanding of like how they at least run their business, and that's kind of what I would recommend to all the people coming into my previous company um, would be to just take in as much as you can, right? Every opportunity that you can learn something, just make sure to hop on that opportunity and continue to teach yourself. No, like even uh, when you first met each other, like Mm -hmm. when you did the color grading, like even though that didn't go well, or not go well, (laughs) but like it didn't like go to uh, the position that we got, like we still learned a lot and I loved it because like 
I learned how to color grade in DaVinci and mm. it just really helped like um, yeah, it was a free color grading course. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it really I was like like one on one kind of with the person that was doing it, mm -hmm. and and yeah, I use a lot of those skills now. But yeah. And so it, it was definitely useful to do. Obviously, suck that it didn't pay off, but yeah, yeah things like that. It things just happen. Good, yeah. yeah, good learning opportunity. So, mm -hmm. so you got to take out of them. Um, and so yeah, like what um what kind of stuff do you guys shoot? Like, uh, you say that you sometimes shoot content for them right yeah so like what are you shooting with um so it depends on every shoot so uh the last one that we did we actually just used my black magic for it mm -hmm. um the one before that we used a canon c70 um okay, sweet. so it's not not like low-end like dslrs or anything no, no, it's, no. it's yeah pretty solid equipment um and then that was the last two because i've only been on two productions so far mm -hmm. um mostly just been editing but the other ones I think one was an airy for one of the cameras, mm -hmm. um, another Black Magic, um, the C seventy, and the Canon one DX. So that was like the event that I did. So or the event that I'm editing. Mm -hmm. So it's like four different cameras I have to color grade all four and yeah. try to match all those. So it's kind of at fun, least the airy is going to be flexible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's pretty sweet though. At least, like I said, at least you're getting experience with these bigger cameras. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much experience you've had in the previous with like other cinema cameras yeah. other than like Blackmagic because mm -hmm. we're both Blackmagic owners, but mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's good to have that experience. I mean, the company I was working with did not have great equipment. I came what in a, and like I had to bring in most of my equipment. What cameras did they have? They were shooting, well, again, they were shooting events and weddings, right? Okay. And... And for them, I don't know how they made it work as far as they did, but they were using like Lumix, like uh, not, okay. not GH5s, like uh, these like camcorder Lumix. Oh. I don't even know exactly what like they're- Like the flip out? Like, like kinda... Yeah, they have little flip out screens, but um, but like the lens is like fixed oh, to fixed okay. lens that could just zoom like crazy far. Mm -hmm. I don't know how those cameras do it. They can zoom into like a thousand mm -hmm. from like 24 to a thousand, wild. I don't know, um, but it's digital and- Obviously, the sentence a crop sensor and the colors are all shit and yeah, it's not great quality. Let's just put it there. Um, but it shot somehow. It shot like 120 frames, mm -hmm. and they used it a lot. And they're just kind of cameras that they could beat up and not care about because the kind of stuff they did was required cameras to get broken. Yeah, <laughs> and you have to have like multiple cameras. See, so it's probably yeah, cheaper. yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but either way, it's like for the for the price that they were charging for like these weddings or bigger events, it's like. I was like, how are you not shooting on this this yeah. and like anything when, like remotely I'm good? Um, <laughs> before I moved to Orlando, I was actually like a kind of like a wedding cinematographer for this mm -hmm. company. And I think they were using Lumixes as well. Or well the first half, um, when I first started there, they were using the, the Canon 60. Um, so that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Cause it was like back five, six years ago now. Like so it was yeah. like kind of like the DSLR DSLR error. Mm -hmm. So like everyone had DSLRs. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the revolution, especially yeah. with a full frame. I think 60s full frame, and that has yeah. a certain look, which is much so, better than most stuff at the time. So like it was pretty good. Um, and then they went to the Lumixes, um, which I think that was like when 2016 to 2019 or something. Mm -hmm. um, and like because it was like the mirrorless era, kind of I would say. So like mm -hmm. everyone had those type of cameras. Yeah, but it was nice because it was like 4K. But I just didn't like how. The the color something was off about the colors for sure. Whenever I was grading that foot or like editing that footage, luckily um, I didn't have to edit the footage. But like yeah. when I shot, it just felt 
weird, like it yeah. didn't feel like cinematic in a sense, like right, just right. the dynamic that's, range. That's and part everything. of, you know, it's partially the, the crop sensor. It's partially that the, the color science is mm -hmm. just, it's nowhere near, you know, Canon or, or any other yeah. high-end camera brands. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, but you know what it did teach me though? It's like, I was, again, I was editing. I started off mostly editing for them and like I was getting this footage and was like, how are you guys working with and like i was like such a such a snob i was like a, i was a canon <laughs> snob i was like color yeah. science is key you know yeah. like um and and so i was getting their footage and i was like this is crap whatever but they were making like they were telling beautiful stories either way mm -hmm. like they were selling weddings because of the not not because of the camera quality but because like the, the emotion and, yeah. the edit that they can create and all that and stuff and so it was a good kind of check again on like a reminder is like equipment isn't everything right mm -hmm. um of course when you're when you're dealing with big corporate clients when yeah. you start getting into the higher end stuff it's like yes you you need to have professional equipment don't 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 go there with lumix you know yeah. <laughs> like honestly um, it kind of a lot of how f good the film is is like through the edit because it's like you could have like crappy camera quality and like you can do so much with editing and make it look so much nicer with like the sound effects mm -hmm. sound design and everything but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and so again yeah it's just, it's just kind of one of those checks where it's like oh right you know equipment is everything but at the same time it's better to have a better camera it's like if yeah. you if you have it at your disposal and why not they it? had they had the resources to buy this stuff they just you know were probably being a little cheap or mm -hmm. you know they 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 were like we don't need it whatever um but but eventually it's like yeah you gotta you gotta move up if if you're serious mm -hmm. about you know, going into really professional work. It's like people expect a little more, yeah. you know, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's, that's pretty great. Like I would totally like, do you guys um, actually like set up like interview, like, like full, like lighting setups and stuff like that? Um, um, yeah. So we do that. Um, I guess you said you're like on your, on these shoots, like you said the crew's pretty small, right? Like, yeah, so it's only like, small. um, well, actually now think about it. There's just four of us now. Um, so it's just me, like the editor, um, like the the founder, like the CEO, and then production coordinator, and then you just got someone else that's like kind of doing like production management and like doing like all the call sheets and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of small, and then we usually hire on like an extra camera operator if you need one or um, anything like that. So it's a little small, but it's I like it because uh, I get to learn a lot. Because bigger companies, like a lot harder to get to figure out like what you need to do or mm -hmm. like you're just kind of doing like kind of the grunt work and stuff yeah and so the company that i was working for was also a pretty small company when i started i think there was only four like full-time employees okay um me being included so like mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously the two owners it's like a, a husband and wife okay ownership or whatever of the company so they were the owners but they weren't necessarily like in the office doing the you know the grunt work or whatever yeah um and so there was four of us in the office and I, I saw that as a pretty good opportunity actually, like when I signed like signed up for, the, for that job to to kind of make my role like a little more important, like, you know, stand out. It's way easier to stand out. Um, yeah. So if, yeah, if you're looking to just kind of keep it low key and like skid by, mm -hmm. it's like you want one of those big companies where you have a cubicle and your boss never yeah. sees <laughs> your face or whatever. But it's like, if you're, if you're ambitious and like actually want to work your way up a little bit, the company that you're working at sounds like a good spot yeah. um, to, to make yourself like, you know, if you're, if you show a little bit of ambition, if you show like you want to take on a little more responsibility, they're probably 
going to be a lot more willing to to kind of give you that chance mm -hmm. um and and show you more of the ropes of like the higher end stuff that they're doing or like you know the, the higher level yeah whatever the thinking of like the sales stuff or whatever and so and like i said it kind of comes down to where you position yourself to them um you know you can take a more passive role or you can kind of constantly be asking questions, questions about yeah. certain things or whatever and it's up to you obviously mm -hmm. um, yeah <laughs> i don't know it's, maybe it's like how i would do it but you don't have to obviously it's like it's, I know what you mean. um it just for me like for example when i was working i was editing a lot of stuff and i have a little bit of experience in like after effects right mm -hmm. and i wanted to kind of build on that knowledge and also just kind of have a little more fun with my editing mm -hmm. And so I told them like, hey, for the next commercial or whatever, like let's do um, some some like motion graphic stuff. And they're like, what's that? Like we've never done that before. Like is it gonna like like let me and at that point like I had established myself. Like they trusted me, mm -hmm. um, and so they gave me some liberty. And they're like, okay, go ahead, take take the time you need for that, whatever. Um, and so I was like literally searching tutorials <laughs> while I was working, kind of like learning and like mm -hmm. applying them immediately to like the commercial I was working on. And then that slowly built into like doing more of that work. Um, eventually I ended up learning a little bit about like 3D stuff, like specifically for like a music video. Oh, okay. Um, and again, that was kind of just an idea that I threw out there. I, I, I dabbled very slightly in mm -hmm. 3d in the past but like i definitely was no 3d artist or anything what, uh, what uh thing did you use for um blender blender okay yeah, yeah. so it was free so like they mm -hmm. didn't have to pay for any software and like again like i taught myself the basics mm -hmm. of it like just through some youtube videos and then like i actually applied it showed them like kind of roughly what i could do and they're like pretty impressed yeah. <laughs> and so they're like sweet let's do that and so then i got to spend like a whole week just learning learning and then immediately creating something yeah. within within the 3d space just for that um will i ever use that skill again i have no idea probably not <laughs> yeah. um it's you know it gets pretty complicated with 3d and to make it look professional you know it's it takes a whole another level yeah um but but it's cool and it's just kind of something that i got to do while getting paid that you know again i just learned something this took me out of my my usual day-to-day -day, like editing a wedding or whatever and so it's cool and it's a good opportunity yeah that's a that's one thing that i really like about the company that i have it's like they're saying like oh if uh let's say you finish your edits or you don't have anything to do for the week um they paid like a whole course to like kind of look through and like just kind of gain knowledge so like they paid for like this course for like transitions and like effects and mm -hmm. um audio things so like it can get better at that so it definitely helps like because like when last week when we were editing, um, we couldn't find this audio file for the longest time. So right. um, for like a solid week, I was looking up YouTube videos, like how to get wind noise out, how to get background noise out. So like yeah. I learned a lot, but um, it really helped like just kind of doing what I want to do, just getting paid for each. Yeah, yeah, things. those courses definitely like mm -hmm. take advantage, full advantage oh, of yeah. them. Um, one of my, f my first job actually as an editor for a company in South Florida, um, they did a lot of like social media marketing, mm -hmm. and a little like a little bit of time after working for them, they offered to to let me do like take a course specifically on like how to gather audience and like basically turn that into a revenue, you yeah. know. And so I took like a couple of days in the office to just learn like a shit ton of stuff about like social media marketing specifically, and, like sales pwn and like click funnels and like you know. Mm -hmm 
sales stuff, a bunch of sales stuff that, yeah. um, but I took it really seriously. And like, I was like, this is like really useful in the future for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, eventually I already knew at that time that I wanted to you know, build my own brand or whatever, do something for myself. Um, and so I was like, this is going to be really useful when I'm like pushing all that stuff out there. And like, again, trying to convert it into revenue and all these tactics of like how to gather audiences and like, you know, bring in new viewers and then like how to like the, from the first point that somebody sees your company or your brand to like guide them through like a click funnel of like Mm -hmm. information, give them, give them little free bits here and there. And then Mm -hmm. like, eventually you want to land the sale, like with the last thing. And then it's like, you want to slash the price. And then it's like all this, (laughs) like very, like very like cut, dry like dry cut like sales tactics for like huh. what actually works to to land sales on like specifically uh digital content so like okay. they were selling like courses and like um fitness uh workout stuff or whatever and like diets but they were making a lot of money doing it so <laughs> yeah one thing uh like talking about like sales like one thing that i'm kind of learning from this company is that like they don't do it where it's like oh uh like how they market it's like oh they don't look at it like, oh, we're going to just do one video and that's it. Like, they'd look at it like, okay, well, do work with you for like six months or like however many months and like, we'll do this many videos every month or something or like make how many videos that they want to do. So it's mm-hmm. like kind of like incoming revenue for like yeah. how like, yeah, like they want to Yeah, like retainer kind of like Yeah, clients. almost like a subscription in a sense right. where it's like, so you do this for like this amount of months and then after that, then they're like, oh, we should probably keep doing it again and mm-hmm. doing it again. So that's- yeah, because if you think about it on the, on the scale of these big companies run, right? Like these big corporations um, and yeah, basically anything that has like more than like a million dollars mm-hmm. in profit or whatever and just like a shit ton of employees, it's like they're not... They're they're looking for content, right? And they need content to post and to use, or whatever, in whichever ways they need. Um, but they're not looking to every month have to find somebody yeah. <laughs> to do whatever they're looking for that month. For them, it's way easier and more convenient for them to actually just hire a, a, a company to be like their agency, right? Their mm-hmm. like marketing agency or whatever um, to take care of like the next six months or whatever. And so yeah. from their point, it makes sense. And for, for like the company itself, it obviously makes sense because they land way bigger contracts that way, right? Mm-hmm. And having a consistent client, it's like once you establish the quality and the standards, whatever that you're providing and they're happy with it, then you have that guideline. You don't have to rethink the whole process every time. So yeah. it's really smart. And I've definitely done that a little bit, you know, with like mm-hmm. the clients that, that are a little more open to it. And it's like trying to obviously start. sometimes I've started with like a single video, but then with like all the content that I shot for them, I'll be like, Hey, if you want, like I can make more videos, we can do follow up shoots and like kind of mm-hmm. just adding on to that initial contract mm-hmm. and like slowly building more work from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a good way to just continue to build more income like slowly, but mm-hmm. surely or whatever. Um, I was just thinking about something and then we got into that topic. What was I going to say? Fuck. Um, what? Let's see. Okay. Yeah. So one thing that I always feel like is super important as a creative that, you know, we're trying, because obviously the goal is to just be financially, you know, a little more freedom yeah. or whatever and be all good. It's like having goals, right? Super important to to kind of establishing like a plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have like a like a five-year kind of short, midterm, long-term goal 
like in place. <laughs> I know it sucks. It's a shitty question, but it's important. And it's like something that I think a lot of people need to think about. Yeah, to be honest, not really, sadly, because mm -hmm. uh, I mean, honestly, for like the solid like four or five years of just being in school, I was like, just got to graduate, just got to graduate. And yeah. then now that I graduated, I was like, oh, now where do I go? Like, because that was my like yeah. five year goal was like, oh, I'm going to graduate from now. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'm just kind of figuring out where I want to go, what I want to do, yeah. um, like fully. So um, just getting this full time job just kind of helped kind of get into the in the mm -hmm. right direction for what yeah. I want to do. So um, so far, I'm loving what I do just because um, I'm learning a lot and mm -hmm. just doing. No, it's a sweet like, yeah. industry that gets working. And it's like I'm very happy that, mm -hmm. like where like I, like I said, I started a long time ago as a full time editor worked in my way into that like videographer editor position at this last company and then obviously now but it's a long process and the only reason I say is because yes now that you have a little bit of break um it's a good time like like yeah. with the with the with the uh financial like stability and everything mm -hmm. um definitely just think about it a little bit you know I, I it's like eventually eventually this job will get a little old and you'll start yeah. thinking like so what's coming next you know okay. and you want to just Think about that a little preemptively so that you can start maybe putting certain things in place, you know, maybe mm -hmm. a certain savings or, you know, whatever you have to do, like slowly start building uh, portfolio work, whatever you have to do so that when eventually that point comes, it's like, you're not overwhelmed. And you're like, well, I can't ever do that because, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I haven't worked towards it at all. I actually never thought mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's something that, you know, going into my last job, the production company, it's like, I knew I wanted to become a cinematographer. Mm -hmm. I knew that they weren't quite doing the work that I wanted to be doing eventually, yeah. but I thought it was a good start. It was a good place to, to kind of build that some some experience, and eventually, hopefully, it was going to lead so, closer to it down the line. So, what do you what do you want to do? Like, in uh, like, is well, it kind of like what you're doing right now? Is that like what you want to do? Or is yeah, it... um, I guess now with with the company, my my goal is just to build it out. You know, mm -hmm. obviously, eventually I'd like to hire some people, get my own studio. Yeah. Um, but it depends on like, you know, certain things. Obviously, it's like goals aren't necessarily exactly where you're going to end. It's mm -hmm. just something to work towards. Right. And so I can say all these things now and it's good to have those. So, again, you're yeah. just working towards something, but you might not actually land there. Right. Um, so right now it's like, yes, I want to, you know, by by next year, probably open my own actual like studio space or whatever, um, hire a couple people, uh, you know, and work with more clients that I actually enjoy rather than, you know, the ones I have to work with for, mm. for financial reasons. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, further down the line, like way further down the line, um, I'd like to go back to just cinematography. I think it's, it's again, it's just always been that kind of, that goal for me is be able to, be the person in charge of the image on big sets, feature films, mm -hmm. big commercial work. I haven't quite, you know, got too deep into like exactly what, you know, at yeah. that point it's like, <laughs> it could be anything, but, but, you know, living that life seems, sounds pretty cool. I, I got a cool opportunity to, um, be an intern with DJI in California. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Because my cousin is a producer or was a producer there. Um, and so I saw, the lifestyle of like the DP and like some of the people that were working on set. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Like they work maybe like a week or two yeah. or like, let's say two or three weeks in a row 
but then they have like the next like two or three months off yep. because of the pay on them, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and then in between those, those time off, it's like they took it to like travel and do like a lot of cool hobby stuff. And so like, that's the kind of lifestyle that really draws me in is focusing on traveling, focusing on like things that just interest me, like constantly learning hobbies and doing new stuff. I don't know. Yeah. And that kind of leads into like traveling in general, which is like, I think for you also has become important in your life, right? It's like you've yeah, done some so, of it and obviously you enjoy it. Yeah. So a lot of uh, the traveling I did was uh, when I was at Valencia, um, there's like a kind of like a little small, uh, like club called like VESA and like they did like a lot of like traveling or like it was kind of like an earth studies club and so um mm -hmm. we flew out to like um where did we go yeah um Zion National Park and like okay. North Carolina Zion is in uh Utah right yeah Utah all right that's cool I want I've been uh, wanting to go to Utah then we went to like Grand Canyon um so it's like really cool because like we did a lot of those stuff with mm -hmm. them and like when I was at the club, I just did like a historian. So like I was like kind of like the videographer and like photographer for them. Mm -hmm. So I did um, a lot of like short videos for them, like just kind of for fun, just because yeah, I like yeah. traveling mm -hmm. and like making these videos. Yeah, even yeah, when I go, I like just take my GoPro and like take mm -hmm. a very casual kind of cl video <laughs> clips of stuff and try to put it together. Yeah, yeah when when I went uh, when I was doing the club though, it's so bad because I like I was really like into the club or not into club but like into filming mm -hmm. when he went to these like places so i took my whole equipment i had like <laughs> like i didn't have like a um like the what is it the gimbal what not the it? gimbal but the uh, what dji is it the the small one the drone yeah the small drone though uh um, the air the, the mavic mavic, the mavic. So i didn't okay. have the mavic i had the phantoms i had like the giant oh, case one <laughs> i was like because it just got it and i was bulky. like cool i'm gonna yeah. bring it to utah or something i forgot which one it was mm -hmm. and so i brought it in the plane and like flew it but it was only like five minutes that i flew it yeah. and then like i brought my whole camera set up with like um like a microphone and like a dslr and all this stuff yeah. and like I was going hiking up these like mountains and I was like bringing everything up and I was like just sweating. I was yeah, like, oh geez, yeah. this is. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've learned. I used to do the exact same thing. I used to try to bring all my equipment mm -hmm. on like hiking trips and stuff or like just whenever I'm traveling and then it just gets so in the way and then that's all you're doing while you're out there. You're not really enjoying stuff anymore. You're just like focusing on like getting the perfect e shot and like. Even without the company yeah. or without the club, I we went to New York and uh, I think this was a couple of years ago. Um went to like upstate New York and I bought my camera and I just got the Ronin. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring the Ronin too. Mm -hmm. Oh Jesus. Yeah. It's heavy. <laughs> like when you're climbing up a mountain, like trying to bring the Ronin, trying to get these shots. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, no, I yeah, can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a certain level where you're just like, okay, it's not worth it anymore. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a cool it's, shot, but I don't know. I've just, I've, I've, I've slowly learned that like when I'm traveling, especially for personal reasons, like I'm just going to go very minimal get something yeah. like my my eos r with like one lens you know no gimbal no no audio nothing like that just keep it very very simple and just kind of capture like raw stuff that yeah. just happens naturally I'm not trying to force it because at first like i did one trip to california with natalie and 
I was like, con- like everywhere we went, I was like constantly like, okay, go walk around this yeah. corner, like directing her and like go walk around this corner. Yeah. And I would stand there and just like stare off and like flip your hair and like, and like constantly nagging her to do this and do that. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the trip, she wanted to punch me in the face. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. you're just, you're, you're, it's like cool to capture all that stuff. But then at the same time, it's like, sometimes it's not necessarily worth it. Yeah. My, me and my girlfriend, uh, Jillian, we went to like, <laughs> It was funny because we would go to like all these like hiking spots and she would be like, just leave it in the car, leave it in the car. And I was like, no, it'd be so beautiful bringing it up yeah, and like yeah. <laughs> getting these shots. And it's and never, it never looks as good as you think it will. <laughs> it does. But then like at the time, like when I'm recording it, mm-hmm. but then when I'm editing it, I'm like super shaky after yeah, like yeah, exactly. breathing. Like, and like, I remember bringing all this equipment up and I was like, just uh, like, I don't even, <laughs> I haven't even finished all my edits. Like I think I have yeah, like, that's another thing. One from New York and one from uh california that i did like i shot all these beautiful shots but i haven't done anything yeah, with. that's another thing is like when i shoot too much i come back and i'm like overwhelmed mm-hmm. with like the footage and like way too much to go through and so i'm like i just get too late like this is gonna take it easily like two days to edit it's like i don't have i don't have two full days to just yeah. sit down and edit this it's like but it's nice to archive a little bit no yeah that's the one thing so, that- yeah so like eventually i'm like and this will probably never happen, but like I'm thinking, you know, for like a big life event or something, you can give all that footage to somebody else, have them edit something, or, or you actually take the actual time to do it. And then it's like, it'll be nice to have in the future, I think, you know, it's like all these little moments. There's right? been some times like, uh, even just recently, I was like looking at some of my old videos and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. And I was like mm-hmm. looking back and I was like, oh, it's kind of nice having like some of these older videos, but yeah. Still want to edit, but it's always mm-hmm. like on a to-do list. So I'm like, oh, I got to do these these videos. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot about this video. And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, uh, do you do a lot of photography as well? Not really. I mean, mm. yes, yeah, on like kind of like a hobby standpoint, but I don't do it. Not professionally. Like, I mean, I mean on the hobby level. Like, yeah. Like, obviously, we're shooters. Like, we, we kind of mm-hmm. know composition a little. And, you know, we yeah. know, we know all the, the technical aspects that you need to, mm-hmm. pr- to do photography. And so what I've realized is like when I'm on trips the better way to recap it, at least for me, is to do photography rather mm. than video. And then also do it with purpose. Cause sometimes when you're like on an actual photo shoot, you're just like snapping pictures, like, oh yeah, <laughs> like fast shutter. And like, you're, you're doing everything like 30 frames of like one shot. And it's like, no, no, no. When, when I'm shooting on a personal thing, it's like, I'll take like two pictures, you know? Mm-hmm. And then later on I'll have a collection of images that are easier to edit and just like ways you out spend me like two or three hours making like a little slash yeah just going not slash it but just like going through them quick edits on all of them and just like pulling out some of the highlights of of a single trip and then it's like that'll be mm-hmm. pictures are also pretty good at just telling a visual story so yeah um that's another thing rather than trying to go through the whole process of editing a video yeah i as much as i talk about this i still haven't done that yet where i'm like haven't left my camera at home like the last trip i went on i bought my drone or not my drone but my like whole gimbal and everything and i was like i'm not doing that again (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i recently got so i got my drone in like may last year and i brought it on this like uh trip to colorado Mm -hmm. and that was sweet and it was like in the mountains and again it was one of those where it's like i had just gotten it and I wanted to use the most out of it. And so like every place we went, I would like threw it up and like try to film as much as I could. Um, I got some pretty sick footage. Actually, there's another topic. It's like I, I started uh, to post some stuff on like stock footage websites. Huh. And one of those clips from Colorado, like the, one of the first times I took the drone out is like the downtown Denver area, okay. which is like the, the city, like Skyline or whatever. 
it actually sold. And I was like, it was like hmm. 60 bucks. I was like, well, that's pretty sweet. You know, just like passive. I was thinking, obviously, I've seen some videos about like pass, create a passive income through stock footage or whatever. And I was like, I don't know if it'll ever actually like sell. It's like, I'm, I'm sure you need like thousands of clips to like even like make yeah. a couple bucks. But I sold one. I sold one before that. And it was like $7. It was like a green juice or something. Some, okay. some vegetable stuff. Um, and that was like one of like five clips that I had ever posted. And then after that, I was like, oh, wait, people, I forgot that this was even up. And this was like years ago. Like it took like two or three years before I could even make that first sale. And I just totally forgot about it. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Like it's actually a pretty cool way to make some money. If, if you put like good drone footage out there, I feel like that's pretty useful for some people. So I was like, let me just throw it up. I already shot it all. And turns out, you know, yeah, I've sold, I've now sold three clips. Really? So yeah, not all for sixty dollars. <laughs> so so did you like? Was it like different prices that you put each one for? Like one was like sixty. No, no, no. So the way it works, I don't know when you go through individual websites, mm -hmm. um, but what I have is an account. The website's called Blackbox okay. Global or something like that. Um, it's kind of weird. You can. It's not too easy to find mm -hmm. um, because of that weird um, domain name or whatever. Um, but but you make one account and then they basically are like the hub that will like distribute it to all the individual like um, stock footage sellers. Oh, so then they will submit one clip that you submit to them with like all the metadata and all that. They'll submit it to Shutterstock. They'll submit it to Pond5, all the big names, you know? Okay. And so I don't know if it increases the chances of selling it, but mm -hmm. this is kind of what I started with. And then I kept uploading to that. Now I have like... So 70 you, clips on it. So you don't even put a price on it, just like upload the clips and then nope. upload it. I think depends um when when they buy it, depends on like what resolution they okay. download or like what they buy it at because I don't know if you ever used like Shutterstock or whatever. Yeah, so you could do like different like 4K. Yeah, if you do like the 4K, it's like 170 bucks. If you do the regular HD, it's like 70 bucks. And then mm -hmm. if you do like SD, it's like 50 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know you know, where they bought my footage from or, or I don't know anything about it. I just know that I got money <laughs> and it went huh. straight to my bank and I was like, that was pretty cool. sweet. Yeah. I was like, not expecting it at all. Honestly, um, I have a bunch of like just random drone videos. Yeah. And I'm like thinking back right now. I'm like, Oh, you know what? It's probably yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Drone footage, um, <clears throat> especially of like certain like landmark, like creating like establishing shots, you know, you have to make like nice, you have to do nice motions. You try to frame it correctly or whatever. can't be like wobbly-ass drone footage either, but um, it, it's super useful. And once you've shot it, it's like it's there in your hard drives. You might as well throw it on. It just takes a little bit of time to kind of do some of the, the metadata and whatever. So off topic, are you, mm -hmm. do you, do you like, do you have your license, like your drone license? Or? Ah, shit. We shouldn't talk about this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I have not. Me too. But because um, when I did it, I don't know if they had already made the rule. Because before, I know that you didn't necessarily need to register, right? Mm -hmm. You didn't have to register. You would only need an, uh, what is it, like a part 107 license yeah. if you were doing commercial work, right? Um, I think recently or more recently, they've updated the laws to now where it's like you're supposed to register all Whatever. drones. Yeah, any yeah. anything that's like CERN weight but ours or mine is definitely over that weight um and so i have not registered it uh, i looked into but i've also not been using it really no. um for some stuff i have but like weddings and stuff and mm -hmm. i have you know liability insurance that that's pretty much all the venue will ask for um 
I have seen posts for like corporate gigs or like construction jobs and things like that. Like need drone, need drone video of construction site must have license. Uh, yeah. But I just don't apply for those. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. What? Yeah. Do you I'm, have any that you said? No. Like, cause the thing is like, I want, like I haven't even registered it. Cause like there's like two different options. You could do like the, what is it? Uh, so it's like the corporation one where like, mm-hmm. you, or if you're making money, like you have to do that one. And you have to have like your pilot's license, right? The only one that I know that you could like need for any commercial work is the part 107 okay. small aircraft license or something like that. Um, and that basically gives you, uh, yeah, rights to to shoot commercial drone stuff. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Because I think, I think you have to have like a pilot's license. Uh, not a pilot's license, but you have to like... Well, it is technically under the FAA. So yeah. it is it is a pilot's license. It's just mm-hmm. a drone pilot's license. Yeah. Um, they don't call it that because it covers a variety mm-hmm. of things other than drones, I guess. Um, or unmanned. You know, it's like unmanned yeah. aerial vehicles, right? Um, but but I know the part 107, small, small airplane or small vehicle something i don't know i forget the wording but something like that part 107 is all i remember and it's like 175 bucks for like a course because i looked into it i was like i might might do this you know see if i can actually make some money off of it um basically sounded like it was around like 200 bucks the whole process and you have to take like a little bit of a course study for it go to like a site take a test apply for it i want to do it but it's like uh it's definitely like some time that I have to take out yeah. and like the money and like yeah. I don't really do it all that often. Drones, it's like maybe mm-hmm. say maybe like once every four or five months that yeah. I fly it. I, I do it when, like I said, like like I went to New York recently mm-hmm. and I was planning on taking it and like trying to get as much content as I could. I I did a quick Google search like the night before flying out there and saw I was like it's one hundred percent illegal. Anywhere around New York City, like oh, on, in like Manhattan, yeah. and so it's like, don't even try. You're gonna get fined like five thousand dollars. Like it's bad. Um, and so I was like, fuck it, I'm not even gonna bring it. Yeah. So that was the last trip. Before that was the Colorado trip, and for that one, we were out in the mountains, and mm-hmm. so it was like so far out there that I was like, obviously no one's gonna say anything. Um, and most of the time, you can get a, kind of get away with it. I think um, yeah. people don't. They're not like you know total hard asses. Like if someone sees you, they're not gonna call the cops and be like, mm-hmm. "This kid's flying." Unless you're doing dangerous shit, you know. I usually immediately get a lot of altitude and just mm-hmm. fly away so that people can't even see it. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, ours are small enough, or at least mine is. It's the Mavic Air Two S or whatever. Yeah. Um. They're small enough where it's like, you go a little further up, it's like yeah, people well, can't yeah. see it. They can't hear it. They don't even know what you're doing. It looks like you're playing Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So so yeah, I mean. I use it, I guess, mostly as like a hobby, but then sometimes for like, sometimes for for some shoots, mm. whatever. I haven't, I haven't done it. I I, I probably should. Now that I think about it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got on the drone stuff. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What do you still have the the Phantom? Is that yeah. what? Really? It's yeah. a solid drone, right? It's, it is. It, it's a. Which one is it, the four? The four, yeah. Yeah, the pro? No, not the pro. I got it. Uh, it's like the first generation Phantom 4. So I don't know if it's like, because I think there's like another 
like there's a new Phantom Four, like not even a pro, mm-hmm. but like I think it's a completely different Phantom Four than the one I have. I think like new, new, like recently came out or what? No, no not like recently came out, but it's like I think it's just a better update version of it. Mm. which I didn't even know, but I looked it up and I was like, something's better with it. I think it's a like camera's a little bit better, mm. but like it looks the same. You don't even notice. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got I got mine because I wanted something like the Mavic 2 with like the one inch sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I had before or the one that they had before that was not the Mavic 2 because the Mavic 2 was a little more expensive um, was a, like a smaller sensor, whatever, shittier, shittier sensor. Eventually, they came out with basically the same sensor size, like one-inch sensor on a slightly smaller body for like an in-between price. And I was like, okay, that's the one I'm going to get. Yeah, I know uh, when I was getting mine, it was like at first I got the Phantom 3 Mm -hmm. um, because I was like, I think it was like $700. And I was like, oh, Phantom 3 Pro at the time. And I was like, oh, I'll get this one. And then I looked it up on Amazon. I was like, wait, you can get the Phantom 4. This is literally the exact same thing, but better quality, better overall for like the same amount as mm-hmm. the Phantom 3. And I was like, oh, screw it. So I just returned my Phantom 3 and just got a Phantom 4. Yeah. And then at the time I was like in between of like the Mavic or the Phantom. Um, but then I was like, oh, you know what? Because I think the Mavic had a little bit less quality at the time when it first mm-hmm. came out. Probably. So I think the Phantom was a little bit better. But I was like, oh, you know, I, was, I like... The Ma- or Phantom, because he can go uh, all these other places yeah. and get these things. But yeah. now, though, now it looks so bulky. Now it looks oh, like it's ridiculously so bad. Like, weird. Loki, I kind of wish I dated really quickly. You I kind of like wish that, I had the Mavic. Yeah, the design but, just looks funky now. It's like that rounded edges and all yeah. that. However, though, if you like go somewhere and like on a shoe and like they don't know what you have, like easy this big bulky right, thing they're right. like oh man that's a <laughs> yeah that's yeah, one thing that i was like actually some people think that because mine is so small that it's like oh it's one of the cheaper ones but yeah. i don't think people really know no. that much and i just tell them it's like that's ah, a good one and it actually is like mine came out as like again it has like 5.6k it does like yeah yours, crazy, is, crazy yours is better mine is 4k <laughs> yeah no i mean it, the resolution is wild and it's like the images actually you can pull mm-hmm. from it is like fucking beautiful, especially oh, yeah. these wide landscapes or like mm-hmm. nice downtown shots. I mean, I was super impressed with it. I just, you know, coming down to like actual production use, it's like I don't get to use it every day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like most people don't necessarily require it for certain for certain shoots or anything anymore. So yeah, know. it's like I want to I want to get like the Mavic or like a smaller one, but. It's like, I'm not doing it all that much. And like, it'll only be like for a hobby if I really do. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, so. I liked, I like mine because you can travel with it. And that was my mm-hmm. biggest thing was like, I liked, again, you know how I like camping and like hiking and all that stuff. I was constantly in the mountains. So I just thought it was neat that I could actually fit something like that in my backpack. Mm-hmm. But then going back to the point of like not trying to overload myself with like equipment. It's like now I'm like deciding between like my camera, my drone. It's like, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's like I want to take both so bad, but it just gets heavy. Especially when you're like hiking out far into the woods and then camping out. It's like you got to bring everything back, you know, yeah. and it's a lot of miles, but I make it work, you know, I've, uh, I've had some good, good shots out in the, in the mountains. Um, most recently I did like a little, like a, one of the spec commercials I was doing was uh, for like a backpack mm-hmm. and I had Natalie be like my model or whatever. And so like we started in the parking lot with her, got some shots like while in the mountains with like my USR. And then we found like a nice cliff point and I was like, oh, Natalie, like slowly like walk out to the, like the edge of the cliff. And then like, I'm going to do like a, 
like a parallax kind of shot with yeah. like the drone like orbiting you and it's gonna be super sick and it was kind of cool that sounds kind of cool it was it was kind of cool um i don't know you know if if it was necessary but <laughs> i got it and i used it in the commercial so whatever yeah that's one thing that uh since it's since i had the phantom it's because I want to, like, I could just go, like, hiking a lot, like, up these mountains with, like, all the gear that I have. But I'm not bringing that Phantom because it's just so bulky. So it's, like, but I've had, like... Yeah, with hiking, it's, like, it's a whole if, backpack just for the Phantom, right? Yeah. It becomes, like, you have... Do you have the backpack version? I don't have the backpack. I just have the case. The so giant case. Yeah. Which but, is even worse. You can't even hook it onto mm-hmm. yourself. <laughs> but, um... But, no, I had the... Um... But if I had like, I feel like the smaller one, it'll be like perfect. I could just throw it in the backpack; won't be as heavy. Compared, right. But yeah. Nice man. So one thing I wanted to go back to mm-hmm. because you kind of touched on like how you, you were in school for a little while, right? Yeah. And obviously, while you were in school, you were always anticipating like your goal or whatever mm-hmm. was to just graduate school. Yeah. And then when you graduate, you're like, oh wait, now what? Yeah. Did that? Did you feel like that kind of threw you off a little? Like, how did you feel? Because uh, I didn't go through uh, uh, school yeah. for for video production, right? Mm-hmm. I did like one semester at a community college, and then I was like, eh, I'd rather just kind of learn things on my own. I, I already yeah. had learned a lot on my own, and I I figured that I was better off just getting real world experience mm-hmm. rather than wasting more time and money, even at a community college, right? Yeah. Um, but I know other colleges and like UCF obviously is is much better known or whatever mm-hmm. you started at valencia for like first two years or something or, and then you switched over how did so that work i actually worked um went to palm beach state so that's in uh west palm yeah, yeah. i'm from south florida oh really oh yeah i went to broward college oh cool cool mm-hmm. yeah so i went to uh palm beach state for one year because uh, that's where my family's from so mm-hmm. went there um and i really wanted to go to like the orlando area so uh um i really wanted to go to ucf so we moved to orlando and i went to valencia for two years and then from Valencia, then I went to UCF for three years. Um, and it was kind of annoying because, like, my credits didn't transfer from, like, each. Really? Well, like, so from Palm Beach State to Valencia, transferred really well. Mm-hmm. From Valencia to UCF, that didn't really transfer all that well. Like, because I did all these film classes in Palm Beach State and Valencia. Mm. But the film none, classes are totally out. Yeah. yeah. So, I can see how those wouldn't transfer. So, though. I mean, I kind of did too. I kind of figured that was going to happen. Mm. But it kind of just sucks at the same time too. Yeah. So I had to take like one year of just like kind of prerequisites, like what class mm. people would take in the freshman and sophomore year. And then my second last two years are like my main course of my like degree and stuff. Mm-hmm. But either way, like, because I know I have a friend, like, down in South Florida who, like, didn't go to, or I think he went to college, but he went to, like, the AA and, yeah. like, got a film thing. But he's, like, already doing, like, stuff, like, down there and has, like, a full-time job mm-hmm. doing, like, production stuff. Um, so it's, like, always, like, in the back of my mind, like, did I make the right decision in a sense, like, going to school, like, that route? But, yeah. like, it's tough. And did you already know, like, leaving high school you wanted this is yeah. this is what you wanted to do. Yeah, so I kind of I knew I wanted to do film like straight out of high school, mm-hmm. um, and so like I knew I feel like school really helped in a sense where it's like I made a lot of connections with like teachers and like learned some things that like I wouldn't be able to learn like through YouTube in a sense right. or like just like learning for tutorials. So like I learned a lot like through like 
I don't know how to explain it, but just like editing and stuff like that, or like kind of framing a story, making a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and like from UCF, getting the internships really helped, like kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. building like a portfolio and like stuff like that. So like, because I think when, when I graduated high school, like I really didn't have all that much stuff. So mm-hmm. graduating now, like I have like all this stuff on my resume. So it's really helped of course, yeah, from yeah. UCF. But it just trying to take the next steps and to professionally like get into what I want to do is kind of harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though, I mean, and I kind of get this from, from a lot of people that I talk to, cause I ask that question to most people that like I know have degrees, um, that are working in this field. And one thing that it just feels like comes up every time is that it's like when you're going through it, if you're not putting the effort and like the additional, like if you're just going through the curriculum, you're not going to come out on the other side with yeah enough you know because then you're going to look like every other student Mm -hmm. you're going to look like a like a person that just graduated with no experience right because i was in a position where i was hiring and we were getting a lot of like recent graduates from ucf and then a lot from like full sale actually and full sale you're like oh this big name you know it's like it's supposed to be the the cream of the crop or whatever and they'd come in and it's like they they look they presented themselves well whatever they said the right things but then like you look at their portfolio and you ask them to do some edits and they actually didn't really have a lot of experience. Yeah. So it's like, you have to go through the curriculum, yes, you know, try your hardest through all the school projects, but then outside of that, you have to do a little bit more too. It's mm-hmm. like, you have to still want to, you know, continue to develop your own skills on your own, mm-hmm. right? And so that's kind of how, what I've what I've heard the most is like, school is the is just a tool, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, if you're gonna use, use, to use the, to make the most out of that tool, you have to put, the extra effort in and you still have to do a lot of this like other stuff outside of the curriculum. If you think that you're going to go through the curriculum and graduate ready to get hired by like the big yeah. companies, it's like probably not, you know? I feel like it's almost, cause it's like different for film school compared to like any other school. Cause it's like for nursing, it's like, Oh, you got your nursing degree. Now you can go to this job or like this right. thing right. with like film school. It's like, it's not like the degree doesn't matter. It's more to see like tutorials to Mm-hmm. make your films better and then you just have to do it on your own and just kind of build yeah, it up. Yeah, I think in our industry, it's a, a portfolio is way more valuable mm-hmm. than the degree, right? Uh, you know, like I said, I, I got hired for my first editing job with just stuff that I had done on my own with very little, uh, you know, school, like curriculum or whatever. And, and slowly I realized early on that like, oh, doing the stuff and like, just showing what I can do is way more valuable than saying like, hey, I studied it, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of that theory versus kind of putting it into practice. Um, but, but do you feel like it at all, like hurt you in some ways, like not preparing you enough? Or do you feel like maybe that stuff was just kind of, cause like you said, like you were a little bit lost when you, when you graduated or yeah. did, were you lost? Uh, maybe I'm not. Not necessarily in the sense that like, like I graduated, but I was like lost in a sense, like what do I want to do and like how do I mm. get to what I want to do? Okay. So like um, for school, they taught me a lot like with how to make my short films really good. So like they taught me like marketing for that, like mm-hmm. um, sending it to these film festivals and all that stuff. And I really like doing that, but it doesn't pay the bills. So yeah, like, on a practical level, it's, it's hard to make short films and, yeah, so and be profitable. <laughs> I, I love making films and like making short films. That's kind of what I want to do later on, mm-hmm. like maybe like the next 10 years, but like it's hard to get the budget, get the money for it. 
So that's something that I have to like market and do like a whole thing. But um, it, I feel like it helped me get like connections for a lot of like places and like um, networking with friends. Yeah, do you, do you still talk to a lot of the people? I mean, maybe some things, but like specifically in the industry, do you have like some people that you've stayed in touch with that like that you know, you know, that that have just kind of landed jobs and like stayed in, in Orlando? Uh, some of them. Um, I know a couple people like the, like one person that like, um, like I sent her jobs or she sends me jobs. Like if she can't do it or if I can't do it, then I send it to them. Um, and I just kind of like build like a network of like friends that like just send me like jobs and I send them stuff yeah, and yeah. just kind of build from that. Um, yeah. Cause that's super useful. I mean, yeah not going through school it's like being on the outside a little bit it's like i had to obviously just reach out like do a lot of cold yeah. stuff i mean kind mm-hmm. of like what i do with you but we met in person it's a lot easier but with other people sometimes i just message them you know on instagram or mm-hmm. wherever and, and just kind of reach out cold and just say like hey you know i'm also like a fellow filmmaker just trying to network you know maybe we should get together sometime or i don't know and kind of building that that network i think is super useful as well because like you said you when you can't take a job you pass it on to somebody yeah. that you know and and obviously, the more you network, the more people you know. Mm-hmm. You know kind of, your name gets tossed around more. Yeah. So it definitely, definitely helps. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think uh, I think we're pretty much wrapping yeah. up here, right? <laughs> yeah. How do you feel? I feel good. It was uh, yeah. honestly great talking to you. Great, like, talking about this on the yeah. podcast and everything. <laughs> do you have anything else you want to ask me? Or do you have anything that you want to say to somebody maybe starting off or something? Maybe someone that just is starting film school specifically. Um, any kind of advice that you think that you can help somebody? Um, definitely like connections, like making like friends through film school. Like, I feel like that's definitely the best thing to do while you're in school is like, um, making friends, like talking to people and getting as many sets as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's sets everywhere. If you're like in the film school, like at UCF or anywhere. Um, so just keep doing it. Just keep, kind of figure out what you want to do. So if you want to do camera, just kind of like if you're PA, just kind of uh, stay close to like the camera department and just talk to the camera people and just keep getting to know with them. Or if you're in like a PA and you want to talk to the art people, just kind of talk to the art people, like figure out how they started or kind of get into the foot in the door. Um, and just kind of look into different productions for me, like staff me up really helped um, personally, like with, getting into the productions and getting like a lot of credits to getting other jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just keep applying. Sure to it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and this is one of those industries where it's like persistency is really mm-hmm. key. Um, you know, it's like you could, you could do it for a couple months and not have any success, but it's like, if you keep doing it for years and years, it's like, it will eventually come to something, right? It's yeah. like, uh, eventually, your experience and everything, all the hard work will pay off, I think. Um, and we're very fortunate to be in this industry. I think it's like, yeah. it's one of those sweet spots. It's creative. It's one of the few things that I feel like is still pretty safe from like automation too. Yeah. <laughs> With like that whole wave coming. It's like, I don't think creative specifically. I mean, certain roles might be switched up or whatever. Things are going to, tools are going to change, but I think we're going to be sticking around for a while. I think content mm-hmm. is only proven to be more and more needed in this age this digital age right and so i'm seeing just more growth for for our industry and generally just yeah just happy to be here (laughs) all right man well it was a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for coming on again anthony do you have um 
a website, uh, social media, anything that you want to just kind of send your anybody to if, if they're looking to find out some more about you? Yeah. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's uh, Anthony M Films. Um, and then I also have like a website. It's called like Anthony M Films dot website dot com slash films. It's kind <laughs> nice, of nice. Nice. Hey, we all got to start yeah, somewhere. Got to start somewhere. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good step. Yeah, you know, eventually, eventually we'll get that dot wick site out yeah. of there. <laughs> all right, man. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. Love you, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>